the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joined now by United States Senator Tom Cotton. Good morning, Senator. Good morning, Hugh. It's good to be back on with you. Welcome back from vacation. Thank you, Senator. Now, you, a few years ago, circulated, authored and circulated a letter warning the Iranian regime that anything President, then President Obama, agreed to could be revoked and was revoked because it was an executive agreement, not binding. Are you going to author and circulate a similar letter so that the Iranians don't forget that whatever Wendy Sherman and Tony Blinken and Joe Biden give them can be taken away as soon as we replace them? <laughs> well, here, I, I, I feel like Yogi Berra said this is deja vu all over again. I believe we've been down this road before, both with this same team, since Joe Biden has basically reassembled Team Obama, but also with the Ayatollahs. And of course, they now understand that what I said seven years ago is a simple fact of constitutional principle, that barring Senate ratification of an international agreement like this, it is merely an agreement between two heads of state that a future president or a Congress at any time can overturn. And if uh, Joe Biden continues with his deeply foolish and dangerous pursuit of a much weaker Iran deal than Barack Obama had, which is saying something, then, of course, it will be reversed in the future. Will you circulate such a letter, though? I feel like uh, we don't need to circulate another letter, Hugh. But the Ayatollah's got the point the last time around. Um, you know, we just uh, issued a statement yesterday with 49 out of 50 senators saying that, once again, we won't consider that we don't support the deal and it's not going to be binding on the United States uh, in a durable fashion unless it's a treaty. You know, we need to tell that, too, as well as the Russians. This morning, according to the Times of Israel, Russia's foreign minister, Lavrov, says Moscow has received guarantees from the U.S. on its ability to trade with Tehran as part of ongoing talks to salvage the Iran nuclear deal. Quote, we received written guarantees. They are included in the text of the agreement itself on the resumption of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action on the Iranian nuclear program. Lavrov tells reporters during a press conference with his Iranian counterpart in Moscow. What do you make of that, Senator Cotton? Well, I hope that's not the case, Hugh, but it wouldn't surprise me coming from this gang. Remember, this is the gang that brought us the first Iran nuclear deal. Tony Blinken, Wendy Sherman, Jake Sullivan, Joe Biden, they're all back together, just in different positions. And in many ways, I feel like they view it as a point of personal honor that they have to restart this deal, no matter how bad it is, just to stick it to Donald Trump. Um, and that they view this also as a matter of a partisan legacy. The Democratic Party has now become so deeply invested in its partnership with the Ayatollahs uh, that they can't walk away from the table, no matter how bad the terms are. And here, the terms are going to be terrible. Um, none of the sunsets, some of which have already expired, like the ban on the conventional arms trade with Iran, uh, are going to be reinstated or extended. Uh, most of the nuclear research Iran has done over the last year since Joe Biden took office is going to be pocketed by Iran. 
In return, we're going to lift sanctions across the board to include you. Lots of sanctions that have nothing to do with Trump's nuclear program, like sanctions against the Quds Force and the Revolutionary Guard Corps, the shock forces of the Ayatollah's regime who commit terrorism and acts of aggression all around the region. Um, And to top it off, uh, we very well may reward Russia for, in effect, acting as Joe Biden's lawyer for the last year, since the Ayatollahs wouldn't even sit down with his own envoy. It stinks through and through. Now, the Financial Times today carried a story that uh, the revulsion at dealing with Maduro led to the Biden administration withdrawing the offer to buy Venezuelan oil. Can you confirm that, Senator? Well, I hope that's the case. But again, they haven't notified Congress uh, of that decision, if it is. I will point out how absurd it is to go to Nicolas Maduro, a man that the United States government does not even recognize as the legitimate head of state in Venezuela, to ask him to produce more oil or to go to the Ayatollahs and hope that they'll produce more oil. There's a very simple solution here. We can just produce more oil in places like Arkansas and Louisiana and Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota. Um, And, by the way, that would be better for the environment than the much dirtier production practices you find in places like Venezuela and Iran. But Joe Biden and the Democratic Party is so beholden to their radical eco-activists, they'd rather ask uh, crazed theocrats Iran or a murderous strongman in Caracas to produce oil and produce it in North America. Now, I love those adjectives, Senator. I was on with Brett Baer last night on Special Report. And I said the trio of tyrants that we know most about are Khamenei, Putin, and Xi. And Xi's at the top of the food chain. But that's clarity. And you can add in Maduro and you can add in Kim Jong-un. Have people begun to understand with clarity there are good guys and there are bad guys and the bad guys are not. I don't know why Jake Sullivan sat down for seven hours with a Chinese diplomat, seven hours. What they must have gone over the Olympic sports, you know, event by event. <laughs> uh, it's a good question, Hugh. Well, uh, our Kansans have never been confused about who the good guys and the bad guys are, um, and that rogues gallery you just rehearsed uh, have always been known to them to be uh, adversaries uh, who want to topple an American-led global order that has brought the American people decades of safety. Uh, prosperity and freedom. Um, I wish more Democratic colleagues in Washington were clear-eyed as our candidates are. You know, whenever I hear Wendy Sherman and others talking about the world uh, order of uh, rules-based liberal international order, that's true for us. It isn't true for the bad guys. They don't believe in a rules-based international order. They believe in strength, and we haven't got it right now. Senator, I had Admiral Stavridis on last hour. I want to ask you, given that you're on Senate Intel and Armed Services, uh, the, the Ukrainians are putting up a hell of a fight. We admire them. What is the situation on the ground, and do you actually have have a strong belief that they can hold out much longer? Well, the situation on the de- on the ground in many places is atrocious. You uh, you have innocent women and children, in particular, since many of the men are off fighting, uh, being shelled indiscriminately in places like. Now, Kiev and its uh, surrounding uh, suburbs, um, but you also have largely stalled Russian advances. Um, it's a significant failure uh, of our government, both the Pentagon and the intelligence community, not to recognize um, the Ukrainians' will to fight and the challenges that the Russians would have from a force that was too small and undertrained to poor maintenance and equipment, uh, poorly planned out logistics trains. 
um, we had a hearing last week in the Intelligence Committee in public, so our, our one annual public hearing year in, in which some of the leaders acknowledged uh, they significantly underestimated the Ukrainians and they overestimated the Russians. And uh, I think that may be continued to you uh, in some of the administration's decisions not to um, arm Ukraine to the uh, For instance, it's foolish, really ridiculous decision last week not to facilitate the transfer of the Polish MiGs to Ukraine. Oh. I think, again, it, it's driven in part by uh, wishful thinking and an overestimate what the so, army is capable of. Senator, if I recall correctly, when you were with the 101st Airborne in Baghdad, you led patrols in an urban setting. Do you think the Russians have any idea how to do what we did in Afghanistan and Iraq, rather unsuccessfully in Afghanistan, but more successfully in Baghdad, which is secure urban cities that are, you know, full of guns and people who hate you? Uh, no, Hugh, I don't think that. And that's not the Russian way of war. Uh, if you look at Rosny or Aleppo, for instance, uh, they sit in the hills, and sit in the countryside outside metropolitan areas, uh, and they shell it uh, into submission. Um, I would also point out, Hugh, that in Baghdad, at least the vast majority of Baghdad, uh, it's a sprawling metropolis, much like Los Angeles, um, in which buildings are not very large, you know, maybe three or four stories at most uh, in most of Baghdad. Um, Kiev is not like that. Uh, I mean, any person who watches television can see that Kiev has 10 and 15 and even 20 story buildings. Uh, Baghdad did not have that. That is much harder terrain uh, for uh, uh, urban operation. Um, and I think the Russians want no part of that. And that may be why they're still stalled on the outskirts and commencing the shelling. They understand that they don't have the combat power to pacify um, cities like Kiev. And, and further to you, I'd point out the vast majority of, of Iraqis, you know, 25 million Iraqis, the vast majority of them were happy that Saddam Hussein was deposed. Uh, they may have wanted more security, but they didn't hate Americans. We fought a small Sunni insurgency and a small set of Shiite militias. Um, that's not the case in Kiev or all around Ukraine. Whatever they might have thought a month ago, uh, 40 million Ukrainians now hate this Russian army. And you've got grandmas with AKs and moms and kids with Molotov cocktails waiting for them in Kiev, in addition to the Ukrainian army. Um, so I suspect they won't know part of that. Senator, last question. Uh, Putin fired off eight missiles that landed 10 miles from war, uh, from the Polish border. That's a mistake away, uh, you know, a point, a decimal point in a calculation from hitting a NATO ally. Are we ready for that? Do you think Americans are actually ready for Article 5 and what do we do? Well, we should be ready because Vladimir Putin is playing with fire. The real question is whether President Biden is ready. Um, what we need to make clear now is uh, if a Russian aircraft enters a foot of NATO airspace, such as Poland or Romania, we will shoot it down. We also need to make clear that if a Russian missile battery shoots missiles that land in NATO territory, we will counterfire against that battery on Russian territory and neutralize it. It's time for Joe Biden and those around him to quit worrying about what Vladimir Putin is going to do and start making Vladimir Putin worry about what we're going to do. You know, that reminds uh, that, me of Grant on Lee. Do you know that famous quote when Grant's generals worried am, about Lee? I am so weary 
of hearing about what Robert E. Lee is going to do to us. You think he will turn a double, double somersault and land on our rear and both our flanks at the same time. Go back to your commands and decide what you're going to do to Robert E. Lee. We didn't rehearse this, America. He actually knew that. Uh, why do you know that, Senator? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great moment uh, in the Civil War uh, when Grant took over command of the Union armies and he was in northern Virginia for the first time and all these other generals had been beaten down like little brothers uh, against the big brother against Robert E. Lee and they were obsessed about his tactics and what they were going to do in the 1864 campaign. But it's also a reminder that in warfare you have to be on the initiative to win. You have to be on the front foot making the enemy react to you. Um, as opposed to sitting around and reacting to the enemy. Do you think NATO has had those conversations? Do you think we're ready for the errant missile or the purposeful strike on Article 5 protected territory? Uh, I'm sure those conversations have happened. There are some NATO leaders uh, that seem to be uh, um, ready to take the initiative, whether it's Boris Johnson um, or our counterparts in uh, Eastern Europe. Um, But the question is whether or not the most important member of NATO, the United States, and the American president, Joe Biden, is prepared to forcefully defend uh, NATO's interest and send a clear message to Vladimir Putin uh, that he should not play with fire. He should not be shooting missiles within 10 miles of NATO territory. I hope you carry that message into everywhere, and I hope you use that grant quote again. Senator Tom Cotton, always a pleasure. Thank you, Senator. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. Do 6 in 10 Americans really support teaching children below the age of 10 about sexual orientation and gender identity? That's what ABC News and Ipsos want readers to believe from its latest polling, but their methodology exposes this as yet another media narrative stunt. By their own admission, the poll oversamples LGBTQ respondents and its too small number of adults rather than registered voters. It appears that ABC and Ipsos polled specifically where they could expect opposition to be strongest in selected urban areas as a means to rebuke Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis will sign a bill that prohibits instruction on sexual orientation before the fourth grade, keeping sex education efforts focused instead on basic human biology. DeSantis appears to have a better sense of parental opinion in Florida than ABC would like you to believe. We all need to watch carefully as media companies cook up surveys, like this one, in order to push a narrative rather than measure public opinion. I'm Ed Morrissey. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 